Hey everyone, welcome back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. And this week's Coffee Smarter Session with me, Ryan Wolt, and our coffee expert today, Siri Simran Khalsa, the director of coffee from Lofty Coffee, based right here in North County, San Diego. I should say coffee a few more times. Actually, this is a coffee podcast. I'm sure that I will. Siri and I are going to talk about the materials that our brewing apparatus is, or is it apparati? Either way, either way, we're going to talk about what the stuff that we make coffee in and drink coffee out of is made from, and how it might affect the flavor of the coffee inside. I want to know from the expert if my coffee is going to taste differently if I drank it out of a ceramic mug or out of a double wall steel Yeti camp mug, the ones that look so cool on Instagram. And I'm sure that Siri will have the answers for us. I hope you guys are excited for some coffee talk today. If you are listening to this show while you're out doing something else, and you hear that thing that you really want to learn more about, don't worry, you'll find links to all the fun stuff on roastwestcoast.com. That's where I recap every episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast and provide links, updates, coffee news, and more. Check it out, subscribe if you want. That's roastwestcoast.com. Now, let's get a little coffee smarter today. So, Siri, Executive Director of Lofty Coffee, which I like saying because it sounds such like such a cool position, even though I, I've asked you what it means before and you've told me, but I just like saying Executive Director because it makes me feel important by association with you. <laughs> Sweet. Welcome back to the Roast West Coast podcast and our Coffee Smarter series. Thank you again for helping us all get a little coffee smarter today. And I, I want to start off with one quick question, which is if you could only drink one, just one of your own lofty coffee core coffees for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, that is a really good question and a very hard one. So our core coffees being like our coffee blends, we have our campfire blend, our morning dove blend, our sweet blue blend and our keeping it classy blend. And you know what? I think I'm going to have to go with the sweet blue blend. Sweet it's, a, blue. it's a typically... Yeah, it's a natural Ethiopian, and throughout the year, we'll, we'll switch off to either a washed or um, Central or South American coffee, and it's such a versatile, sweet, delicious coffee that you can make an AeroPress, you can make an espresso, you can do a French press, and it's super nuanced and sweet and delicious, so I'd have to go with that one. That's a good question, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. It was a leading question because now that we have the blend, uh, the sweet blue that you're going to drink for the rest of your life, you need something to brew it in and then something to drink it out of like a mug or some sort of liquid holding vessel, like a chalice or something. I'm assuming in this case, you're like stranded and you're a pirate or something. So (laughs) how does the type of drinking vessel, drinking glass impact the taste of that coffee? So for example, if I drink the same coffee, the same sweet blue blend out of a glass, out of a ceramic mug versus a clay one versus like a double wall steel camp mug, you know, how does that impact the taste? And also, I mean, the second part of that would be on the brewing side of it. If I brew like in a French press versus an AeroPress, which an AeroPress is generally more plastic, I think, than, than a French press would be glass or steel. You know, how does that impact the flavors in the coffee uh, that we're getting? Yeah. So I'm going to start with the brewer because I feel like the brewer is going to impact so many aspects of the quality of coffee where the vessel might only impact a couple. 
So if we're using that sweet blue blend and we have a few different brewing methods, there's kind of two main brewing methods in, in brewing filter coffee specifically. And, and the first being infusion and the second being immersion. So infusion is coffee uh, or water being poured through a bed of coffee and a filter to result in a brew. Whereas immersion is water and coffee immersed with each other for the length of the brew time and then filtered out with mesh or metal or whatnot. And those two main brewing methods are going to heavily impact the overall quality of the cup. Typically in an infusion, so again, infusion, we can think pour over like a V60 or a Chemex. This method is going to, because of that paper filter, result in a cup that's going to be a little bit less soluble, like that has something that has less solubles in it um, or less solids in it because of that paper filter it may have less oils and it overall might be a cleaner more delicate cup of coffee i find that like very light nuanced coffees shine really nice in that infusion method whereas the immersion we can think about like french press and you know there's actually even a hybrid as hybrid as you mentioned the aeropress uh is it's immersion but then it is then pushed through a paper filter so it's actually one of my personal favorite ways of brewing coffee because you get that full bodied quality that you would maybe from a french press but pushing it through that paper filter kind of cleans it up a little bit so again yeah with that immersion you're going to get a bit more solid so you might even find like a little bit of sludge at the bottom of your coffee i find this cup this way of brewing complements like more um, maybe a little darker roasted coffee or even coffees that just have more like smooth rounded flavors versus like high bright acidic flavors. So that's kind of the first part of that question where it really depends um, on what you're looking from your coffee. If you like that really big body full like textural experience that immersion might be your preference whereas if you like something a little silkier lighter more delicate uh, that um, uh, infusion might be another great option so you mentioned you're talking about the paper filters i want to just clarify something there i've read on the internet so i'm assuming there's some truth to it that the the type of paper filter like an unbleached versus a bleached or a white versus a brown you know like paper filter will will change the flavor of the coffee is that accurate or is that just kind of does it is it enough that you would even notice i mean is that something that i should think about when i'm buying my paper filters like i i've purchased some paper filters that were marketed as being more environmentally friendly but then i've heard that might not be as good for the coffee you know where does that that land mm-hmm. in the process yeah so this is actually a funny experiment i did during my training recently where um first thing i would always recommend for like a single pour over type situation to rinse your paper filter, whether it is a craft brown non-bleached paper filter or if it's a bleached paper filter. And by doing that, you're you're allowing that paper to like first get pre-wet and kind of remove maybe any papery flavor it has. Then maybe the next time you do a pour over, do that and then just try the water that you poured through um, during the training. I, I did that to, to show my trainees that like this actually has a flavor and 
It tasted like an envelope. Uh, it tasted <laughs> like the way when you lick an envelope. Uh, and actually, interesting enough, if anyone wants to go and really see this for themselves, there's this coffee guy on YouTube called James Hoffman is his name. And he does a video where he try he's like cups all sorts of different flavor, uh, paper filters. So he soaks the filters in water and then he's blind tasting all the paper or all the papery water. To, and I mean, you're, you're seeing someone else do this, but he, he kind of describes what each uh, filter tastes like. And I would say that each one does have a slightly different flavor, but overall, yes, like all paper filters are typically going to have some sort of flavor where some may have less than others. And I do think that the consensus is that the bleach filters tend to have like a less papery flavor. As I mentioned in, in my training, it kind of had more of like this envelope glue flavor. <laughs> versus like a paper flavor. But I do think that pre-wet could could help avoid any flavors getting into your coffee brew. I honestly cringed a little bit when you said licking an envelope. I think after COVID, <laughs> the idea that I would buy something in a store and just put my mouth on it seems like the most insane right? thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Like we used to just lick glue <laughs> for like to mail a bill or something that like really we didn't even care about. That is just, totally. uh, I'm honestly shaking, like just thinking about it. So it sounds like you, That's hilarious. despite the fact that the paper has a little flavor, it sounds like you're, you're partial to the AeroPress, which is both immersion and pushing through that filter. And so we're not looking at this as a situation where like, you're going to get a bad coffee if you do this method or that method. It's just going to be something to be aware of. Yeah. And I think it's, it's coffee is so personal and we all, I'm sure like we could all probably look back and find like some memory of like the first time we had coffee and it like changed our lives. At least I can. And I think like throughout life, like preference just gets, we, we learn our preferences and um, I like to teach and share my stories about coffee as like, this is my preference and you probably have a totally different preference. And that's really interesting and cool. And let's talk about it. <laughs> and like, what what about a full immersion do you like? What about a infusion do you like? Like, what about these hybrid methods do you like? Um, and I just think that's so interesting. And it's like, it's just awesome. And I can, I can, I, I like, as I said, I really am, love the AeroPress. I think it's, it. I like a French press that has that full body, but I'm not always looking for like that viscosity. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, especially with a lighter cu cup of coffee, like even today I, I had this natural Ethiopian from this roaster called lot 61 and it's super light. And I made it on the arrow press today and it has that full body, but because of that paper filter, I'm getting a lot more of those like nuanced, really light flavors. Like it has like a malic acidity with like mango and red currant where you might lose some of those flavors if you did it just in a French press. But then if you have a coffee that's like a bit darker roasted, maybe kind of one note, single note, a French press like really brings out those really nice qualities of a darker roasted coffee. So Sure. And now it's I interesting. Like I'm talking myself in circles, but no, no, no. I, I'm just like, in, I'm just engaged. I'm listening. I'm actually thinking about how I have a couple of coffees 
I, I try a lot of different coffees, but I have a couple that I just kind of keep around all the time. So like when I wake up, I don't have to think about it. Like I know how I like them. And, and you know, Zumbar's Hummingbird Roast is one that I drink as a French press a lot. And uh, yeah, uh, Steady State has their Space Traveler, kind of their house coffee, which I make more as a Chemex or a pour over. And this mm-hmm. last weekend I went camping and I brought the space traveler along, but I only had the French press with me. And so I made it that way. And it was a totally different coffee in my, my opinion. I kind of right? like, it kind of threw me like, not that I didn't enjoy it, but it just was like, this was not what I was expecting at all. And I just hadn't done that, that transition. And then, so then I, when I came home, I, I was like, well, I'm going to try the, the Zumbar one as like a Chemex and see if that's different. And that took me down like this whole rabbit hole. Yeah. But but it really was interesting. That's kind of what I've been thinking about while you were talking about the Aeropress there. I think a good way to, to close this week's episode is to ask you, based on all of what we just talked about, what's your opinion on like the Keurig coffee maker and how that affects your flavor? Yeah, that's a great question. I have some experience with the Keurig. My grandma has one. So if I'm ever over at her place having breakfast or something, I will enjoy a cup of Keurig. I think... I do think it's incredibly wasteful. <laughs> it is so wasteful. It is so wasteful. Um, and so like, that's my big shtick about it. I, I would say, again, coffee is so personal and, and everyone has a preference. And if someone's preference is convenience and user friendly, I I think that's great. I think in coffee and like working in the coffee industry, I'm constantly thinking, how can we be a bit more quote unquote sustainable or a little bit more conscious about the waste that we're producing? So for me, again, the Keurig's like, dang, that's just so much just extra trash (laughs) being thrown out. I do know that there's like these like reusable Keurig. I've had, I'm not sure how, I'm like curious with, the times I've used Keurig, it brews so quickly that for like a lighter, more specialty coffee roast, I wonder if it's going to be as good as like maybe these like darker kind of things that you get when you just like go to the grocery store that just extract really quickly. Overall, I would say you're probably drinking pretty under extracted coffee from a Keurig. And I also, I, th- I think like I love coffee and I need coffee in the morning. And if there's a Keurig, I'm going to use it and and it's fine. Like I, (laughs) I am pretty, I'm pretty flexible about where my coffee comes from. You know, like I'm a sucker for a good cup of diner coffee. That's been sitting on that warmer for an hour and a half. Um, (laughs) I love that. And you know, if I'm ever air traveling, I'll, I'll drink the flight, the airplane coffee. I do think there's there may be other options that are convenient and maybe a little less wasteful. So that's my thought on Keurig. The best the best coffee is the coffee that's in front of you in the moment. Totally. Yes. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah, and I I know you were right. I know you were looking to wrap this up, but did you want to talk about the cups at all? Cuz I oh, have yeah, a few yeah. thoughts on different types of cups as well. Yeah, let's do it. What are those cool. thoughts? So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, my big. So I'll start with what I love. I love a ceramic cup. I just think a ceramic cup, like a heavy ceramic cup is my preferred way to drink coffee. There's something about like a heavy cup that I just 
I don't know. I just love it. I also particularly love a handmade ceramic cup. There's something I think like with the heaviness is that it's like warm, but it's not too hot. So you can like hold it. And I, I, one of my favorite mugs is actually this ceramic mug that my brother made in like high school. And it's like, by no means perfect. There's like little cracks in it, but there's just something very comforting in holding it. And I would say like, if I were going to a coffee shop, that's like one of my, I love like when you just get a nice handmade ceramic Um, and typically like a glazed ceramic. Whereas then you go down and you, you mentioned earlier, there's like, like a clay, maybe unglazed ceramic. I've, I've had some coffee out of those. One thing that I don't love about them is like the mouth experience of like when your mouth touches like the rough edge. (laughs) <laughs> to me that's like it's like a rough edge uh to me it sort of like takes away from maybe the like tactile experience a coffee has to offer where like with a glazed cup it kind of just like it's all about the coffee and then my least favorite I would say and is probably actually one of the most used maybe a lot of your listeners use this is like this double walled steel cup and why that's not my favorite is because I almost think it keeps the coffee too hot where I personally like to enjoy a cup of coffee from when it's hot to like when it's room temperature to when it's cold. Like I'm drinking a cup of coffee right now and it's ice cold at this point and I still love it and it tastes great. And I just feel like with the steel, like mirror, uh, hydro flask mugs, it just keeps it way too hot. And either I, don't end up drinking the coffee or I end up having to wait a very long time until I can like actually start drinking it. So those are some of my thoughts on cups. I think also one of my least favorite would be a paper cup. I think especially one with a lid. I think coffee is so not only is it a a, like a taste and a tactile experience, but it's also very much like an aromatic experience. And if you're kind of don't have that that space in the cup to actually smell the coffee while you're drinking it. I think you're losing a bit of what that coffee has to offer as for like a beverage experience. Yeah. One of my favorite things about coffee is actually not even the drinking part. It's the first time I open the bag and that smell kind of comes out. And I always like, especially now with like the little uh, pull tabs or whatever on the vacuum seal bag, I'll pull that and I'll like have it like right up to my face ready. And then I'll smell it. Like I did it this morning. I have a pan, new Panama that I opened this morning and I, I ripped it open. I smelled it. I was like, oh my God, it's like gummy bear candies or something. And I like ran over totally. to where my wife was still asleep in bed. And I'm like, smell this. And I'm shoving it in her face. And she's like, just leave me the F alone. Like I'm still asleep. But I just love that part of it, that smell of it and and how that can really impact how much I enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm actually in the same same vein as you where I love the idea of the double wall steel. And I, I have a bunch of them. I even had some that had like my logo on them from like so an old many. company. And I have one sitting here too. I actually have like this like 1980s bird rock mug that I found in a yard somewhere. And then I have like this double wall steel Mizu one from Coffee Cycle or Mir one from Coffee Cycle. But I'm using that kind of as like my backup. Like I made this coffee and I want to keep it warm enough. And it'll still be the same temperature now, like 40 minutes later than when I, I made it. And so I can then pour totally. it into my cup and let it naturally cool down. But I find that yeah. if I just... So it's like your craft. 
Kind of. Yeah. And, you know, and it's what I use if I'm out camping or something and I'm like setting it down and there's wind, yeah. and it's cold or I'm at whatever at the beach. But even then, like I, it kind of feels like just a, it's like the difference like in in design between warm and cool tones. It's kind of like a the clay feels like it's this warm kind of flavor and everything's kind of billowing out and warm. And then the, the steel to me feels like it's a little bit cooler and kind of tamping down maybe some of that. And that could just be mental or emotional. I don't, I don't really know, but uh, it's just a really interesting thing. And they are so popular now. And I think a lot of it is because of that heat component, you know, like, especially with takeout, like if I'm getting it to takeout and I'm going to work, I'm going to somewhere I'm running errands or it's in the car or it's wherever. I, I think it's nice that that coffee can be hot, but this is my own little advice to anyone listening, which is, is that if it's a really good coffee, it won't matter if it's room temperature or if it's cooled down, like on its own, it'll still taste good. It'll just be a different temperature. And sometimes I actually find as a coffee cools, it actually brings out different qualities of the coffee and the flavor can kind of change a little bit, which again, I, for a drinking experience, I think that's really cool and really unique to coffee because you are drinking it from like very hot to cold. And I, as we're talking, actually, Tim, I'm just thinking like, again, my own personal experience and love for coffee. Like I think that the majority of coffee consumers are probably grab and go drinking this coffee in the car or on doing my errands or just getting my caffeine where I think about my own personal relationship with it and how the overall experience is so important to the point where sometimes even if I have that mere mug of coffee in my car and I'm like doing an errand, sometimes I don't even drink it. I'm like realizing like maybe I'll take a couple sips, but for me, that moment of sitting down or even when I'm at work, if I'm like standing up and getting my pars ready for the day or something like to me, it's so much about the rounded overall experience of it. Um, and I do think that my personal relationship with coffee is not on the go because I get to come into work and I'm working in a coffee roaster and, and I don't have to, that's not my lifestyle. Like my lifestyle is enjoying coffee. <laughs> for what it is in these moments. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that's so interesting. And I think, yeah, there's definitely people out there where their preference is to have it extra hot, 200 degrees, like burning their mouth and they love it. And that's how they drink coffee. And that in that sense, they might prefer the mirror mug. <laughs> now I'm just like off on this whole, this whole hot thing. I'm going to tell you this quick story before we go, uh, which has nothing to do with coffee at all and everything to do with the temperature of soup which is I when I used to be a waiter and I was at this this breakfast place and this woman would come in every week and at like 9 a.m. she would order soup and it was always it was like that diner coffee right it was soup that had been like left in the soup thing you know overnight it was a 24-hour type of diner (laughs) and so I would bring her out this hot 500 degree soup and she would take a sip and she'd send it back and say it's not hot enough I'd put it in the microwave I'd bring it back it still wouldn't be hot enough and it was like this every week, week after week after week. And it was never hot enough. She always left unhappy. And I finally kind of cracked one one Sunday morning and I and I gave her soup uh, for like the third time. And she said it wasn't hot enough. And I said, there's literally no way it can get any hotter. I have put it, it, it was already hot. And then I microwaved it for 20 minutes. This is the hottest soup that exists on the face of the earth. There's nothing hotter than this except for maybe lava. And she just looked at me and she goes, oh, okay, well, thank you then. And I 
kind of was just like in shock. Like, that's all it took. I could have done this so long ago. And then I asked her, why is it important to you that it's so hot? Because I just at this point, I had to know. And she said it was because as she got older, she started losing the ability to distinguish flavors and tastes. And so temperature was really her only gauge of, of food. And she had lost kind of the joy of some of the flavors. And she was trying to, to reach some sort of connection with her, with her food. And that totally changed our, the dynamic of our relationship. Instead of just being this woman who was like always mad at me for not bringing her hot enough, I started to understand and really try to make an effort to do that. And, and I, I wonder about that with coffee. I think one of my bigger, not a big fear, this is a very uh, um, first world fear, but is I really love eating and drinking, you know, food and, and, uh, and, and beverages and losing that flavor over time is something I, I don't take for granted because of that experience with that woman. And that's my story about soup. Wow. That's a really beautiful story. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I think that's, again, I've just been in this trainer mode for so long and we talk a lot about, you know, serving from the heart and like, you know, connecting with people and yeah, when people kind of be like serving people and being served is in a way this very like vulnerable thing. And sometimes it's like, it can be, especially if you're seeing so many people all day, uh, it can be hard sometimes to like step away and see people for individuals and having their own life experience and maybe going through hard things or like losing their sense of taste or or just having a bad day and just remembering like maybe maybe asking those questions of like why do you like it this way or how are you like really how how are you today I know we all say we're good but like how are you (laughs) (laughs) like how can we make your day better um yeah How can I give this soup to you? That's a thousand degrees. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's just relationship advice in general. I have learned after my wife and I have been together like 17 years now, and then coming up on 18 when the show comes out and I've learned that when either one of us is, is snappy or cranky or does something, says something, you know, maybe not so nice it's generally has nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with whatever other emotions we're going through that day or stress that we're going through that day. And, and, you know, one of the reasons, excuse me, I feel that we've succeeded this long is because we are able to have those moments and not take them so personally anymore. You know, that's something you learn as, as you grow. Yeah. And, you know, maybe when we were younger, we would have gotten into a fight or an argument. And now it's more of a, the reaction is more like, oh, is everything okay? You know, like what's going on with you? And it's usually, uh, most of the time, it's something else. Sometimes it's just me and I'm the problem, but we figure it out and move on. So Siri, uh, that was a great episode that kind of went all over the place. So I'm really excited uh, for people to hear that. And, um, yeah. and we should get together and talk about coffee again sometime soon. I would absolutely love that. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, everyone. This is Cody from San Diego's first and longest running local beer podcast, Beer Night in San Diego. If you love the local beer community, check out Beer Night in San Diego, available everywhere podcasts are found. Each and every week, we bring you great local beer discussion, beer education, news, and tons more with a touch of comedy. Check out Beer Night in San Diego to laugh and learn with us.
We are back here on the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast and our Friday Coffee Smarter Session. I love talking to Siri because I know that wherever we start the show, whatever coffee question I ask her, we're going to go on a bit of a journey to find that end point where it feels good to put the day's conversation to rest. It's like hiking without a map. Sometimes we go off the trail, but that's okay because we always end up where we probably wanted to go. If you want to try some of the coffee that Siri roasts, head to loftycoffee.com to place an order for delivery or pick some up at one of Lofty's five, soon to be six, locations in the San Diego area. And definitely follow at Lofty Coffee Co. on Instagram to stay up to date on all the new roasts that they're dropping. Today's coffee vocab phrase is, as always, inspired by the show. Malic acid, which Siri mentioned earlier, is an organic compound which is known for adding an apple-like or sour fruit flavor to your cup of coffee. In fact, that name, malic, it's derived from a Latin word, malum, which means apple. More vocab and coffee smarter details with all the fun links that popped up in this show, including that video with James Hoffman, the YouTube coffee celebrity taste testing water with immersed paper filters, can be found on roastwestcoast.com. Anytime. Next week, Tuesday, this show will be back with another great interview episode featuring the founder and head roaster of Ascento Coffee Roasters, Luis Sanchez. Ascento is down in Bay Park, San Diego, and Luis has a hell of a backstory. You don't want to miss it. Thank you all for listening to the show today. If you've enjoyed it, I'd appreciate if you'd tell a friend. It's the best way to help us grow this show and our coffee community. That, and maybe give it a share, a follow, or a shout-out on Instagram, at Roast West Coast. And of course, sign up for the newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com. The newsletters come out every Tuesday and Friday when these shows are released. Now is the part of the show where we're nearing the end of our time together, which you know because I'm reminding you to go check your coffee stock. And if you find yourself low, find a local coffee shop or roaster to buy some coffee beans and an espresso from this weekend. I'm partial to roast industry partners including Marea Coffee, Leap Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Steady State Roasting, Camp Coffee, Cafe La Terre, Coffee Cycle, and Moster Coffee. There's a lot of great coffee in San Diego. I also want to shout out our friends at First Light Coffee Whiskey. You will be joining me in the woods camping this weekend, at least in spirit and in liquid form. And, of course, a hello to Cape Horn Coffee Brokers. Be sure to check them out too. You'll find links to all of the friends of the show right on the front of RoastWestCoast.com. That's it, everyone. I hope you enjoyed listening today as much as I've enjoyed sharing one more show with you. This episode of the Roast West Coast podcast has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt, and I hope this show has found you to be happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please, always be sure to drink good coffee. And I'm out.